Welcome to Cult Picks Radio WCPX with me, your host, your cinematic travel guide, your Reiseführer, Django Nudo. En edge piscos arus vagioc. Hmm, I wonder what that might be. Possibly that, foreshadowing. That means, and I am the smut peddler. Ah. It's, I hope it's we will see what our Hungarian listeners think about that. This will be like the Monty Python sketch of the Hungarian phrase book. My hovercraft is full of eels. <laughs> My hovercraft is full of eels. Uh, matches, matches. Huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, do you want? Do you want to come back to my place? Bouncy, bouncy. Uh, I don't think you're using that right. No, but it's a very good topic, but we won't get to that just yet. So instead, no. we're going to talk about the fact that we're counting down the days until can. And yes. we're going to have a lot of good meetings. In fact, we have to start scheduling those meetings that we haven't done already. Indeed. But um, it ties in with the topic of the kind of films we would like to see and that you've told us that you would like to see on Cult Picks this year. But we try to be a broad church in terms of content and the types of films, aren't we, Smart Peddler? Yes, indeed. I mean, this if you look at it, the whole content on on cult picks it's such a variety such a mix there are silent horror there there are dramas there are musicals there are westerns there's it's everything there it is a very deep archive and you're right there are silent films there are public service announcements there are comedies i think though that people get hung up on what they see as the most new things because yeah, things are very very deep but obviously latest editions and theme weeks highlighting mostly new films we should definitely make more of an effort of maybe also mixing them up with older films to give people a, a ability to find those titles yeah and of absolutely. course we do promote older titles through social media through anniversaries through birthdays that kind of thing above all we want the members to write to us if they feel that there's too much 70s erotic or smut or not enough of something else drop us a line we're yeah. available on all social media um emailed pigeon post you name it yeah and so far we have responded almost immediately to anyone coming to us so yes. we are there for you we're definitely there for you so with having that said that um we should do a little bit of a push for events that are happening this week 15th yeah. of may specifically at bioaspen yeah we talked about it last week but we have the i would say it's probably the might be the the final screening for the spring season uh, in theaters in Sweden, and that's uh, Night of the Living Dead on the fifteenth of May. That's on now on Sunday. Yes, and I should say this is the film I think we had the biggest success with when we showed it at Everyman, and it is a beautiful copy restored by Martin Scorsese Film Foundation and the Museum of Modern Art, and it is the mother or grandmother or grandfather of all zombie films. So. Yeah, Not the first one, but the one that sparked the genres. If you haven't seen on the big screen, you will enjoy it. A little bit of a forward look. Um, we do have a big announcement coming up in Cannes, but we're not going to spoil it because it's going to be an exclusive. But for those of you or anybody who is going to Cannes, drop us a line. We will have drinks and we will be happy to invite along any member uh, of yeah. Cold Picks or just somebody who's interested in genre film. 
because yeah. that's what we're all about and going to be talking about that we don't care about the new releases good on you Cronenberg and Lynch for having a film at the festival but yeah. just too recent give us the old stuff definitely yes so we're looking forward to that and uh, also as you mentioned before some very productive meetings with the rights holders and distributors we hope do we want to give away a couple of titles coming up in the next few weeks yeah why, why don't we we just signed recently as the, you might remember if you listened last week uh, with uh, the companies Echelon and Severin Films mm. so uh, do you want to start off? Yes, we're going to have Amazons before there was mm. Jeff Bezos or the Rainforest. Well, maybe not the Rainforest, but there was Amazons from 1986, which, uh, if you know Greek mythology, fighting women. Yeah. Scantily clad. And then we have something that's a real cult film, I think, genuinely almost crossover mainstream appeal from th- 1982. Yeah. The Beastmaster. Mm. So we're going into that fantasy, uh, you know, um, almost girls in fur bikinis. Yes. But with fantasy elements and swords and sandals. And, and stop motion uh, animation. And yeah. it's, it'll, I think it'll be a good, I think we'll call it Echelon Fantasy Weekend or Week. Yeah, that, that will be cool. And we have a dozen films from Severin. And Severin, as many of you might know, is a really cool company who have released lots and lots of awesome stuff um but we want to highlight as we have already done one season of mondo movies we are looking forward to doing a completely new uh theme week with more mondo but with four very Mm. very crucial films that we missed out on before and they are now on board for us with Severin and that's Mondo Balordo, Mondo Bizarro Mondo Freudo and ta-da, The Wild Wild World of Jane Mansfield Mm. She's a Mondo category all of her own Yeah, it's going to be hard to top that, that's going to be an amazing foursome Mm. Looking forward to it Um, So we're mixing high and low culture um, as always here at Cold Picks, but sh- let's play a sound clip to ease us into this theme week. You son of a bitch. And that was uh, from Jim Jarmusch's Stranger Than Paradise. And um, I think it's, uh, I think that might have been the first time I heard Hungarian being spoken in a movie. Yes. And also, and anyone in my age group had a little crush on Esther Balint, who was in that movie. But this woman is not Esther Balint. <laughs> it's someone's grandmother being very, very grumpy. Angry Hungarian or Hungarian-American grandmother. Now, Yeah. And I think the Hungarian language really works when you're mad. It sounds great. But the topic is Hungary, and it's because we have a great deal with the Hungarian National Film Institute, and they have uh, generously unearthed some of the real gems, cult gems, from the Hungarian film archives, which have been beautifully restored. And I know that we associate 
s Central and Eastern Europe, um, you know, in communist times with kind of dreary neorealist Angevida were the kind of occasionally vaguely subversive, but there were, of course, also the, the wacky science fiction films and other ones. And I think the trio of films that um, they've given us this week are fantastic. Yeah, they're so cool. And the funny thing is that we are in discussions with, with the more European film institutes and film archives. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, the, and the topic that always comes up is that they say that, oh, we have restored some of our beautiful classics. <laughs> and we say, no, 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 we don't want your classics. We yeah. want your cult yeah. movies. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, there's no... And they, and they get that, I think. Yeah, and, and some of them do straddle. For example, you know, Miller's Foreman's The Fireman's Ball could be cult, could be... Mm mainstream sure. but we're, we're leaning yeah. towards the hard cult this week so yeah. shall yeah. we kick off with meteo meteo it's visually so striking it's it's not often that anything without boobies gets a lot of likes on instagram but just the still images from this um film um made it incredibly popular on our social media platform and that should give you a hint towards the kind of atmosphere that you can expect from it because it is a real post-apocalyptic kind of film it's not it's sort of it's technically as i guess a sci-fi thriller but yeah it's above all just about the atmosphere it's got this dystopian cyberpunk science fiction film uh, aesthetic and um something if you were to mix up an east european version of escape from new york and blade runner and it makes me wonder the director, uh, Andras Monore Mesh, he must have seen these films and been influenced. I don't know if they were smuggled on VHS to Eastern Europe. In Hungary, of course, they were a bit more liberal and they were available. Mm. Also, I do remember myself, any science fiction film vaguely critical of the US government did get played on the big screen in Eastern Europe. So E.T. Uh, yeah. played in Poland. I saw Starman at a cinema in Moscow. So as long as That's the US government yeah. were the baddies, then sci-fi was a-okay yeah, yeah. and, and i mean this film is really that kind of uh, post-apocalyptic feeling and it's it's like an industrial area where these three men live their lives you know it's it's all very odd but i also love the fact that you found you found this guy who did a uh, review of it and he also named and i never heard this before no. Uh, the film has also been compared to what they call the Cinéma du Luc in France mm -hmm. in the early 80s, which is basically the guy with names with X, that's Benex and Carax, yep. <laughs> and also Luc Besson, Yes, uh, I guess. Uh, but it, it's, it's, it's a very vague term, which is kind of lumps very diverse directors and films together. Mm. But I do understand what they mean, because it's... The, a sort sort of ambience and 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 aesthetic in these films. Yeah, there was a kind of a new new wave in the early eighties where we had films such as uh, Diva, which I think was recently restored. Um, obviously, mm. Luc Besson's Subway, um, and I could see why they they named it Cinema de Luc because visually they were very appealing, but because they didn't have an obvious political message, which was obviously the big thing in the 70s you had to be against the vietnam war and whatnot so they were often dismissed as being shallow and not having any kind of weight that yeah just aesthetics just aesthetics which is yeah. definitely not true especially uh you re-watch them today 
Yeah, the, and this reviewer was so funny because he says that the director seems to have taken several things from the cinema du look, except the look. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where the Blade Runner escape from New York comes. So he obviously takes the best of everything, and, and I'm sure yeah. there's a bit of Stalker and uh, Eastern yeah. sensibilities there. But I think that the, the likeness to, to Diva, for instance, is obviously the, the guy sitting in a bathtub most of the time mm. in the movie, and which yes. is something that comes back there. That's fine. That's a perfectly acceptable thing to steal um, yeah. and happen there. But the location is all of it, you know, incredibly unique and cannot be found now. I think they shot it in this. Uh, the plot is about a group of friends, we should say, before we just mm. get stuck on the look. Yeah. Um, one of whom is a meteorologist, hence the term meteo, um, which is in itself a bit of a joke because in Hungarian, uh, meteorology is not called meteo, it's French. It's something like ide. So. And they together, or the three of them, want to create a hacking of a central computer, which would enable them to collect a lot of money from a horse race. Mm. So, but it is about the same time this location where um, the military unit is in control of this industrial site and is looking to shut it down. So they're trying, everybody's being forced to evacuate. Of course, they don't want mm. it because they've got this hip you know, Luc Besson Diva kind of location. And it yeah. was shot in, uh, at least the underground tunnel scenes were shot in the Cabana cellar system and the Cabana brewery. Uh, what was really funny about it is that it's now site of um, Hungary's first Ikea. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so gone it's forever. Typical. Yeah. And also, I mean, the likeness with the French films is also that the uh, soundtrack is really important. And yes. in this case, it was a Hungarian group called Control Shoport uh, who made music. And uh, I found them now listening online and we will make a playlist uh, on Spotify, Spotify with some of their music. Mm. And it's very much um, British new wave punk. They have a saxophone that sounds very, very close to the sax player in x-ray specs for instance uh -huh. and they have a f female singer and mm. a male singer and but it's it's really sort of punky with with a little bit of folk yeah. folklore in it okay maybe we should throw in a bit of diva soundtrack there as well yeah. for kids Why who not? are not yes. familiar with it and subway of course, yeah. of course. Um, now the the blog that details it in um very good terms is from the disapproving swede.com never heard of him uh, don't know but why he disapproves. Name. It is <laughs> great name. If you whatever are, it is, I'm against it. <laughs> yes, if you are that disapproving Swede, get in touch with us because he says um, at this time it is not available for streaming. But of course, it is available for streaming now thanks to Cult Picks. Yeah. So, um, but he says that he it's hopes that it gets remedied soon. So the glorious experience of the cinematography by Gabor Shabo uh, and other films, other qualities will be readily available. Well, now they yeah, are. That's great including yep. the glorious soundtrack.
from post-apocalyptic cyberpunk late 80s Hungary, we jump more than half a century back to Hungarian horror thriller with Ghost Express. And it's from the same year as um, King Kong, actually, 1933. Yeah. So it's very early, I must say. Vintage year. Yeah. Original title. uh, it's uh, Ghost Express in English, but Kisertetek Vonata in Hungarian. I'm sorry for the pronunciation. I'm going to make it pronounce the names of all the actors as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. Especially Ella Gombajögi. Mm-hmm. Lovely. I love the I love the Hungarian language. It's it's so interesting. It's, it has so many dots above all the. Uh, it, it's almost like a Monty Python parody version of Swedish with the dots above the O. Yes, There's nobody exactly. here in the lead who hasn't got a. Ö. Yeah, no, yeah, often twice. Um, but uh, this is uh, about seven people stranded in an old remote unmanned railroad station, and every midnight the ghost train passes by. Mm. A train that was wrecked 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's so cool, all of it, but I think you unearthed the most cool facts yes about one of the actresses yes and credit where credit is due i have to give a shout out to tightsbury uh who is a new fan and and tweets uh whenever he watches something that he likes here and he pointed out that um um the film starred um actress marika rook and what's super interesting about it is she was quite a popular figure in the Third Reich cinema and later appeared in lots of variety shows on German television with dance performances up until the 1990s. Now, remember, this is somebody who started, mm. was appearing in the 1930s. Wow. And that's where he remembers her from. So what then led me down a rabbit hole um, where I discovered that, yes, like a lot of, she was a bit of a, a Hungarian Zara Leander who toured yeah. the Third Reich or the uh, Ingvestur, what were the Finnish sisters called, who also did. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's what you did. The Harmony, the Harmony Sisters. Harmony Sisters, yes. Yeah. So if you were in one of these occupied or um, neighboring countries to the Nazis, you couldn't go on a tour of America or Britain, so mm. you went to Germany. It was the biggest market. But, but this article from The Guardian revealed that Marika Röck, who is strikingly good-looking and shows her legs in most of the clips that I've been able to find of her on YouTube, was revealed to be a Soviet agent working from the 1940s onwards, um, passing on secrets from the Third Reich to Moscow. So she was not only an actress, not only good-looking, stunning-looking even, um, singer-dancer, uh, performed for the Nazis, toured the Nazis, but was at the same time passing secrets to Stalin's uh, Moscow. I mean, even Zara Leander didn't have it that and exciting. I mean, she she was also, yeah, and I mean, she was banned from acting because of her, you know, her her closeness to the Nazis. Yes, and I don't know but how she. It was all a front. Yes. So how did she get off the hook? Or it wasn't revealed, obviously, at the time that she no. was a. Uh, Soviet agent but to make it even more interesting she was born in Cairo um, although to Hungarian Mm -hmm. um, parents and um, went on to do an operetta star and and she did 40 films right up until her death at age 90 
in 2004. Wow. So it's believed that uh, the manager, her manager, was uh, a the recruiter for Heinz Hofmeister. So he was already working for the Soviet intelligence. So we don't know yet, uh, apparently, yeah. what it was that she... Um, you know, revealed on her tours of Nazi Germany, but I'm sure there were conversations she had with high-ranking Nazis who were no doubt very enraptured by her good looks and, and performance. Yeah, it sounds like a, a really good World War II thriller, her life. It is, although where would the sympathies lie? I'm trying to think of, especially in the current Hungarian climate, who would do a film about her? So she's a famous star, okay, good enough, but she toured Nazi Germany, boo, boo. No, 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 it's okay, because she was actually yeah. a, a Soviet spy, spy working for Stalin. Mm. <laughs> Bigger boo. Soviet boo, boo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's hard. Uh, and, and, and also, she must have been quite a big star because her music is readily available on on spotify yes but so there's tons tons of songs there but she didn't just do singing i mean looks why she was compared to um hollywood stars like ginger rogers and rita hayworth you know she oozed mm. sex appeal and she was yeah. as skimpy as you can get um dressed in the films of the, the 30s and the 40s um so do look her up on youtube and we will definitely be posting a few of her songs in the Spotify playlist. Ein junger Mann, der nicht der Liebe, weil er betaubend ist und nett, der sagte neulich, dass er mich zur Ehefrau gern hätte. Doch weil er leider schrecklich arm wäre, hätte er zu fragen nicht gewagt. Doch habe ich als Antwort ihm nur Folgendes gesagt. Ich brauche keine Millionen, mir fehlt kein Pfennig zum Glück. Ich brauche weiter nichts als nur Musik, Musik, Musik. Ich brauche kein Schloss, um zu wohnen, kein Auto, funkelt und schick. Ich brauche weiter nichts als nur Musik, Musik, Musik. Now, Smart Peddler, if I say to you, Doug Kescheleu, how would you respond? I, I would say that... Uh, the vulture yes obviously what do you mean of obviously course. of course it is the vulture <laughs> you're hungarian what else would it be <laughs> i mean it could be crazy? an insult this could be back <laughs> to that monty python hungarian it's true facebook yeah. yeah we believe it's uh, the vulture but i think also some somewhere i read that it's also uh, someone translated the title as like the vigilante or something like mm. that it's i don't know how big of a release it might have had in the west and as we will discover um the release of it even elsewhere was problematic outside of hungary but it's fascinating because it is from as far as what it looks to me like is the closest we ever had to a communist era taxi driver yeah I love the I love the, the those comparisons both with with the first film we talked about and this one that there are you know the the Hungarian versions or inspi inspired by uh, these films. Yes, and all the more remarkable that they got them made in the workers' paradise, um, where I'm not saying that everything had to be socially realist. They did musicals in East Germany and mm. sci-fi in, in Soviet Union. But this one in particular doesn't show up the um, you know, workers' paradise ideal of Hungary very nicely. And this is 1982. So by 1989-90, mm. 
with Meteo, you could probably get away with because it's liberal. But this was as yeah. cold as the Cold War got, I think. True. Yeah. And to the Iron Curtain was down. Firmly down. Um, yeah. So it was rare VHS tape of Taxi Driver that made it across eastwards. But clearly, <laughs> probably, yeah. Ferenc Andreas must have seen it. And this is taking away nothing from the originality and um, yeah, the talent that went into the making of The Vulture. So it's at its simplest plot level. It's about a, a taxi driver called Simon who happens to have his money stolen by two older women. And when he then gets to the police, they don't seem to be willing or able to do anything much about it. So he has to take effectively the law into his own hands. Yeah, yeah. And it's a very famous Hungarian actor who never had much of a... Um, recognition outside of it, uh, Georgi Sherhalami, Sherhalmi, yeah. sorry, but he did appear in Mephisto by Istvan Shabo the year before this one. Mm. And that must be one of the most famous, uh, internationally famous Hungarian movies ever, I guess. It is definitely, but it's this one is hugely acc- acclaimed uh, as far as Hungarian crime film goes, mm-hmm. and. It, the fact that it was made under socialism makes it all the more much more remarkable. So it has quite a few other firsts, which are interesting to shout out. The first of all, it's the first Hungarian film to use Steadicam. That's a big thing. It is. And I don't know, do they improvise their own Steadicam or do they import the Steadicam system? Or did they, did they do a... <laughs> Evil Dead version with a camera attached to a plank and two guys running. Yes. Well, it <laughs> it works again. It works for sure. Um, it, what was interesting about it also is that it was considered so dark at the time, the film, and we're not talking about cinematography, that mm. it was only allowed to be shown in um, other socialist country without some of the scenes. Um, and especially the ending. No spoiler about the ending, but yeah. it's pretty dumb because it doesn't rhyme with the you know, utopia of the time. Exactly. And I, I love the fact in, in this sort of FAQ on, on the Hungarian Wikipedia that the the, uh, the lead actor didn't get much more paid for doing the film than <laughs> the taxi driver is robbed of in the, in the movie. No, there wasn't That's much money one. to go around then or, or for filmmaking. But um should mention that the chase sequence, the car chase sequence, um, was done without route insurance or police escort. So I think this was kind of on-the-fly filmmaking. And I don't know what mm. sort of trouble that would have landed them in if they got caught or if anything had gone wrong. That's also pretty scary. Kind of a semi-sequel that was done in 1994 called The Lawless. And um, even a musical version of the film. I don't see how that could have worked, but it was <laughs> done at the Hungarian Theatre in 2014. Yeah. So clearly it's a film that resonates. If people are still making attempted sequels or stage adaptations in uh, the 90s in 2014, a good 30, 40 yeah. years after it came out. But I mean, actually, it had an international life because it was chosen for the uh, Berlin Film Festival. Yes, it was, and um, and he even won an award for it. It wasn't the main award, but it was the audience award. Yeah, and the lead character also won the Hungarian Film Critics Award, nineteen eighty three, for the portrayal in the film. So that's uh, cool. And I actually found something out as well. I, and we didn't talk about this before, but I I, I looked up, I googled the the um, 
the lead actress Hedy Temeshi. Mm-hmm. And uh, apart from also being a, a, big, a big star in, in um, Hungary, she also came out as a lesbian in the late 50s. Oh. Which must have been pretty darn dangerous yes. in, in that that era. Gosh. And um, as I'm reading off uh, Wikipedia, that uh, homosexuality was no longer a crime after 1961, uh-huh. but, but was classified as a mental illness. <laughs> and so she lived with this woman for about... 10, 15 years, and when they end, ended their relationship yes. um, in the early 60s, she became partner of the writer Elzebeth Galgoski, mm-hmm. I think it's pronounced. So, a very early um, lesbian pioneer. Mm. Interesting. The things you learn. Yes, and of course, mental disease was a you know, handy way for grouping together to get or getting, out of, getting rid of people who people. were undesirables yeah. in yeah, the communist sure. bloc. But... Um, Definitely. Well, well worth seeing, and I think it's this really is a journey of discovery. We talked earlier about discovering these kind of directors that we had no idea, like our Belgian favorite Jean Louis Bell, yeah, uh, and these ones too. Which, to my great ignorance, I wasn't aware of any of these three films. And no, me neither. That's that's the beauty of it, and that's why we want to dig deeper and find more more uh, films from other countries that where films rarely have traveled internationally a reginota igen a reginota te figyelj figyelj csak hallgass meg ezt hallgass meg most ez most ez komolyan nem is akarom elkiabálni figyelj nem beszélek fontos hogy élek túléltem én bárki hagyjon engem el a bajban csak is magam segíthetek rajtam ha nem felejtem el and just to prove that we are indeed a broad church and not just art house convention. Uh, we have a fourth film, which has, as far as I can tell, nothing to do with Hungary. No, not that we know of, but we always want to add on more fun stuff. And uh, here we had a little window of opportunity. Yes. Let's so, say. so we snuck it in there. And what I should say about the film, and the film is, of course, Invasion of the Saucermen, 1957. We're not talking about tea-drinking Brits sipping their old grey from a small plate. This is, of course, UFO Aliens. And the film is actually quite good, but it is nowhere near as good as the poster. The poster is by far the most amazing thing about it. It is a work of art. It is a thing of beauty. It is something that should be on every film lover's wall. I love it. And the funny thing is that we actually have a couple of the Swedish poster, the Stolpe, the smaller format, and in Sweden, what do you call a film which in the original language is Invasion of the Saucerman? Well, obviously... Uh, the Creeping the, Hand. Uh, the Creeping Hand. Yes, of which there yeah. is one and in the film. So, yeah, and I would say that's a big giveaway, isn't it? It's a spoiler. It is to, a spoiler. rename it like that. I think so. 
but it's um, still a good film and still a good poster. And yeah. if anybody writes into us or, hey, hang on, maybe does a review, a good review of our podcast, we'll send them a poster. There will be a, an original poster up for grabs if you are active. Make no mistake about it. This is not a reprint or any kind of reproduction. Nope. This one came out when the film came out. So it'll be worth Indeed. something some point. I think so. Yes, it show, it it pops up from time to time on uh, the big auction houses. So mm. yes. Now the film was made by Malibu Productions, which to me sounds like a porn production company. Indeed, but yeah. um, it was in fact had a serious beginning. It started out as a short story, which was acquired by uh, the very serious sounding Forrest J. Ackerman's Ackerman Science Fiction Agency, and you actually met Mr. Ackerman. Yes, I mean, Forrest J. Ackerman is mostly uh, famous for having been the editor of Famous Monsters of Filmland, which had these great covers of, of um, horror monsters, horror movie monsters. And he was invited by the uh, Fantastic Film Festival in Lund, our mm -hmm. friends there, and I happened to be there that year. And uh, he had like a uh, master class or something like that. But he was very, very old, and it was just a long, long, long name dropping. And hmm. it, it sounded like this. When I met Bella Lugosi, <laughs> when I met Boris Karloff, mm -hmm. when I met Lon Chaney. So it was, right. wasn't was much of an analysis. But he had met them all, obviously. And he had been friends with them all. I think he had props from all those movies, original props in his house. Mm -hmm. So an interesting guy. Wonder what happened with everything when he died. Yes. Well, hopefully somebody inherited something of value, including might maybe another version. Might be a museum version. now. I don't know. It might be a museum, of course. Um, a few interesting things about it. First of all, is the plot of it is standard 1950s sci-fi hokum, which is um, horny teenagers making out in car on an empty um, road, see something in the sky. Next things, aliens come down, and they don't want to be taken to your leader. They just want to invade us. Yeah, and, and I think typically for all these films is that the, the adults don't believe in the youngsters. No, no. And what was interesting is that it began apparently as quite a serious film. And I think maybe as they were shooting it, they realized just how preposterous it was. It was one of those where they used um, midgets, short people, in cost alien costume with big heads. Very good special mm. effects uh, makeup, yeah. I have to say. I love the stills from the film. Yes, Paul Blaisdell uh, deserves credits for the alien makeup and the flying saucers. And it's also not just good um, stills, which we have posted on Cult Picks, if you scroll down from the film. Um, also some great GIFs. If you're ever on the lookout for good alien GIFs, just do a search for Invasion of the Saucerman. Um, it was released. It's a very short film. It's only 69 minutes. Um, so it zips by quickly, and it was one of those double bills, probably for drive-ins and for B-movie houses, together with uh, the double feature being the more famous, perhaps, I Was a Teenage Werewolf, the original, in Yeah, one of the best titles ever. Yes, of course, remade later in the 80s and mm. subsequently. As Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf, that's it, with yep. Michael J. Yep. Fox and yep. the guy from The Professor from Fame. It even got a remake as television feature called The Eye Creature, 
done in color didn't improve it in any other way maybe we can track it down and see if we want to put it up there as well no it could be cool yeah um and it did have a reasonably good uh, reception at the time um monthly film bulletin captured well it says the moments of burlesque of horror melodrama traditions whether intentional or not are at least curious the trickery is a quite convincing stage but the film is juvenile in approach and treatment i don't know if he means as a bad thing mm. In other words, um, it is effectively a quintessential aliens versus teenagers movie. And yep. we have a few of those. So maybe that could be a theme week. Uh, invasion That's of a good alien one. Yes. teenagers. Def- definitely. Mm. Yeah. Um, some other things about this. Apparently, apparently, I've read online, it was the first film to implicate the U.S. government in a UFO cover-up. Ah, and it's all yeah. to do with one of the aliens uh, dying and the body um going missing and of course mm. then comes the creeping hand from that so right yeah ex- and that sounds very familiar with with the uh, tropes around the cover-ups i think if you later. watch this with kind of uh, what's called x-files glasses there's a lot mm. that you would get from this one to take away what was that i don't know it happened so fast i didn't see it at all what have we done it's a little boy. Give me a hand. Let's get him to the hospital. You saw it. What is it? It's disgusting. All the things to hit. Here it is. I killed it. We're going to be doing another one of these uh, before can. And then we'll hopefully be doing a live well, live and live, they're all recorded. But we'll yeah, be recorded in Cannes, yes. Yes, record in front of a live studio audience, as they say. Yeah, and you'll hear some of the crickets or whatever they are in the trees yeah. as a background sound, I think. Clinking of rosé on our On our luxurious terrace facing the Mediterranean. But above all, you'll hear the sound of scratching, fury scratching, as deals are being signed for plenty more films for cult picks from a variety of sources. We have a lot of people we've got lining up to meet. And yep. uh, good things should come from it, because based on the results from when we went to Lyon, meeting people in person as good as Zoom calls are really triggers a whole new level of cooperation and possibilities. Yes, because everyone succumbs to our charm. <laughs> it is our force. It's very hard to convey coldness. over the phone or the internet, but seeing us is believing. You just have to come and meet us. So once again, if you are one of the um, people who are making it down to the Côte d'Azur in May, then drop us a line and we'd love to meet you. And if not, drop us a line anyway. We'd love to hear from you and to hear what films you like, what films you don't like, what features you like. Yes, we keep promising a Roku app. Yes, we are one step closer to that. I could tell you what it is that the technical geniuses have now managed to solve, but it went over my head as soon as I read it. Yeah, but we're getting there for sure. How should we end this uh, edition of Let's Copics end Radio? this, um, not the way we started, but almost the way we started, with um, music from the band Control Shoport, who made the soundtrack for Meteo. And this is a song I really like called Afelelem Haja. Mm. That's all for me, Django Nudo. And me, the Smut Peddler.